Track 9. Stepping Outside the Fort. Early Medieval Settlement. The ghosts of early medieval farmers surround us in modern Ireland. Despite the passage of more than a thousand years, something of the life of these ordinary people endures in our daily experiences. Their legacy catches the corner of our eye as we travel the country's highways and byways, offering us fleeting glimpses of the past seen between fence posts or through gaps in the ditch. That legacy comes in the form of their defended farmsteads, the preserved fortifications of earth and stone that they left behind. Some 50,000 of these ring forts, cashels and other contemporary enclosed settlements fill the Irish countryside. Constructed across more than seven centuries between the coming of Christianity in the 5th century and the Norman arrival in the 12th century, together they allow us to enjoy one of the best-preserved early medieval settlement landscapes anywhere in the world. The Vale of Tralee, where the ring-fort homes of dozens of early medieval families can still be seen scattered up and down the valley, is no different. When a past apparently remains so visible, what new information can excavations like those carried out on the route of the bypass possibly hope to reveal? The answer lies in what remains unseen, buried just beneath the sod. Of the 11 early medieval sites uncovered on the project, just a single one, a double-ditched enclosure at Ballinoric West II, was enclosed. Initially constructed around the 7th century and re-fortified around a thousand years ago, this previously unknown ring fort once enjoyed dramatic views towards Sleeve Mish, the Dingle Peninsula and Mount Brandon. Although it almost certainly functioned as a homestead, unfortunately little in the way of domestic evidence survived within its interior. Instead, it was the unenclosed sites that revealed the most about early medieval life and landscape in the Lee Valley. At Manor East 7, archaeologists uncovered the 1,500-year-old efforts of a local farmer to ford a long-forgotten stream channel, his labours preserved in cobblestone and wood. The laborious agricultural process that consumed so much of the early medieval day came to life at Ballinoric West 3, Ballinoric West 4, and Ballingown 1. There, the remains of corn-drying kilns, once filled with hulled barley, reveal the effort required to preserve the harvested grains and prepare them for processing. Ballinoric West 4 also revealed the industrial talents of the local community. Sometime in the 5th or 6th century, they built a rare slag-tapping furnace to produce the iron they needed to make tools to work the land. The chronicle of skilled craftwork and ornamentation was told through individual objects. At Manor East 1, a pit gave up a bone needle or weaving tool that had once been put to work in creating and repairing textiles. At Nakawadra West 2, a beautiful translucent amber-coloured glass bead was discovered. Surely sorely missed when it was misplaced, the ancient loss of this prize adornment became our gain, as it lay hidden to await rediscovery in the 21st century. 
Perhaps the most compelling early medieval story came from the excavations at Nakawadra Middle 2 and Balingaon 1. Rather than the narrative of those who had made their homes behind earthen banks, what dominated here was the tale of those who dwelt beyond the Ringfort's wooden palisades. At each site, positioned entirely exposed and in the open, excavators uncovered the remains of a small, oval-shaped post and wattle building. The Nakawadra Middle II structure had first been built between the 5th and 7th centuries, while the slightly larger Balangaon I example had been erected between the 10th and 12th centuries. Though separated in time, both these families had likely led similar lives, lives that were markedly different to that of their ring-fort-dwelling neighbours. In an effort to understand why these people lived outside the ring-fort's gates, the archaeological team turned to Ireland's early law tracks. From their preserved pages emerges details of a highly stratified, class-based society. If the residents of Nakawadra Middle or Balangaon hoped to dwell within a fort, they had to belong to one of the free classes. These were the Boera, or cow freemen, the Okara, or young freemen, and the fair midboth, or man between huts. Clearly, they were not so fortuitous. Instead, these homes may have been those of the semi-free cottagers or labourers that made up the Buthach or Fudger classes. Perhaps they may even have belonged to the unfortunate lowest rank of society, the unfree Sinclair, condemned to eke out their existence as hereditary serfs. Buildings such as these are unusual in the archaeological record and offer us a rare insight into the experiences of the lower ranks of early medieval society. Together with the other discoveries on the project, they serve as a reminder that, impressive as they are, our visible early medieval monuments represent just a single element of a fascinating, complex archaeological landscape.